0: Welcome to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Today, we have a very special guest on our show, and I'm very excited for you to meet her because I think you are going to learn so much valuable information. Today, we have Timi Lawler on the podcast. Timi is an integrative anxiety specialist, certified health coach, and RYT 500 yoga instructor who believes in an integrative approach to healing the mind and body. Her previous background as a speech and language pathologist serves her well today as she works with clients who want to reduce their anxiety. As a multi-certified practitioner, she's able to individualize client sessions to meet their specific needs, utilizing modalities such as yoga, hormone testing, functional testing, and emotional freedom techniques. Have you heard the news? We started a brand new membership program called My Nutrition Coach, and you're invited to join at Body Metrics, most of our clients come to us through their medical health insurance plan. Unfortunately, most insurances don't offer enough sessions to see big results. And some plans, they don't cover nutrition services at all. At Body Metrics, we are passionate about helping our clients see results and making nutrition accessible to everyone. That's why we created My Nutrition Coach, a program that offers education and accountability between one-on-one sessions and an affordable option for those without coverage. Inside the membership, you'll get access to weekly teachings, nutrition-focused goals to work on, recipes, a private community page for support, a video resource library, and an opportunity to ask questions to a real dietitian. This helpful program is available right now for only $9.99 a month, or $99 if you sign up annually. But it's important to us to make sure we're a good fit for you, so we're offering a special 30-day free trial if you sign up now. To start your free 30-day trial, simply go to BodyMetricsHealth.com and click on the Programs tab. There, you will see my nutrition coach. Simply click for more information and to join. We can't wait to see you inside the membership. Jaime, welcome to the podcast
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you.
0: Yeah, Tommy, we are so excited to learn more about all of this, specifically yoga is what I would like to focus on, but I know we're going to be integrating some of your other practices as well as we have this conversation. Can you just first start off with letting us know a little bit about you and your journey to how you got to this place?
1: Sure. And we'll,
0: we'll take it through the lens of yoga. I guess I've been
1: practicing since... Probably two thousand eight, and I actually started in my home. um, And I was I was a big workout junkie. I've always been a gym rat, and I had the P ninety XCD. And I'm like, what's this yoga thing? And I remember doing it in my living room, and it was like so long. And the first part was like powerful, and then the second part was slow. And after a while, I was like, oh, I like this. And then I got bored with it, and I was like, I need to do this in person. And I found a studio. It was um, at that time I was living in New York in upstate New York, Rochester. And I um, went to the studio, and it was heated. And that first class, I fell in love. It was it was amazing. I was like, I'm doing this. I think I went every day for months. And at that time, personally, I was struggling so badly with anxiety and depression. And so it was great because it got me out of my head. It pulled me out of my ruminating thoughts and immediate, I mean, I was floating off my mat at the end of class. It was just, it was wonderful. And, and I got a quote unquote workout. Cause at that time, all I cared about, you know, was burning calories and being thin and not understanding, you know, what this practice was doing for me, holistically, mind, body, spirit. Um, So from there I, I was addicted. I, Practice for years. And then I always knew I wanted to become a teacher. Um, so in 2016, when I was in San Diego, I had moved there. I think I moved there in August. And I think by October, I was signed up for my first training, you know, because it'd been such a long time, like passion. And I knew that I just needed to, to keep going with it. And so I got my first certification in La Jolla, California at Prana Yoga Studio. Uh, I went back again in 2019. I mean, the minute I was over, that training they say do you go out and teach and I was like no I need more I need more I love information so I'm always seeking so but I gave myself some time I started teaching at some gyms and then I went back in 2019 and I got my 300 and during that time I also was able to obtain my restorative yoga certification as well which I thought did not want to get at all um, because that was um, which I'll educate you guys on what restorative yoga is if it, it doesn't it's not a power vinyasa, so I was anti that practice, but I did it. I actually fell in love with it, um, and I had a back injury later on during that training, and that practice got me through the back injury. And then when I moved back east, I then have added on some certification for Yin Yoga as well. Um, so and I'll educate you on that in a second too. But that's been my journey of yoga as a practitioner and a teacher, and it won't stop. I, you know, I have numerous books, I have numerous trainings on my future training list that I will plan to attend. Um, But it's, it's one of my greatest loves, really.
0: So I wonder if many people have a similar journey with yoga, because, and not to the point of teaching, but I'll say like my own personal journey was you know, I was exposed to it through a workout program. And I'm like, I can't do this. This is too slow. I'm not sweating. It doesn't feel like a workout. Like, I wonder if yoga comes with maturity, where we start to realize and recognize, hey, this is something beyond just seeing how many calories you can burn in a workout session. This is a this is a lifestyle.
1: Right. Yes, I do. For me, it was absolutely it was a combination. I was so desperate to, you know, get out of this place of anxiety. I was trying so many things. They were working, but I was hell bent. And someone had mentioned yoga for the nervous system. And at that point, even though, yes, I'd been, I been—I was a speech pathologist and I understood the nervous system, I didn't really understand the nervous system. Obviously, if I was, you know, beating my body in the gym every day. Um, so there was that piece as I was driven to find a solution. But yeah, I also still wanted that workout and so I had to find the right practice to do it in the beginning and then that is like you said with maturity you step on the mat okay it's a power class you liked it you keep going and eventually your practice evolves because yoga right the meaning of yoga means to yoke and basically it's a oneness to bring in to go deeper into your finding who your true being is supposed to be and it's I always tell people the practice is like peeling an onion The more you practice, the more layers of yourself, you're going to peel off and find. You're going to get to your soul purpose. We call it your dharma in yoga. And so then you can start to do those more challenging practices where you're doing restorative. You're holding the poses longer. You're actually maybe even just sitting and meditating. That is yoga, too. Um, But it comes with time and patience for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Which not every young person has that. <laughs> um, or thinking that that's the no. that's, that's a, a health practice as well. We think of, like go to the gym, rep it out. That's what's going to help me to, to be healthier. I'll put that in air quotes, but, but it goes deeper than that. So you mentioned there's a couple different types of yoga. So maybe it'd be helpful to go through some of that um, just to show that yoga doesn't just look one way.
1: Right. And so the type that pulled you and I both in, that was vinyasa yoga. That's for like the type A person who needs to burn the calories. They're very fit. They're mobile. They're not intimidated. It's usually done in the heat. So anywhere from, you know, 88 degrees to over a hundred. And you're doing, that's where you're doing up dog, down dog, chaturanga. You're doing that whole sequence that is power vinyasa. It's a, a hard, rigorous flow and you are you leave that mat like a drenched animal, but you feel it's detoxifying. So it's great. And you know, you just you just tapped into your little uh, need need to burn, right? So that's vinyasa yoga. Hatha is another style. It's similar to vinyasa, but it's slower. It's usually not done in such hot heat. And let me go back to vinyasa. It's not always done in hot in a hot room. But it's you often find power vinyasa that way. Hatha is done maybe in an 85 degree room, no heat, and there's not as many chaturangas. So that vinyasa flow has been taken out. There's different types of hatha. There's hatha for healthy back. There's the Iyengar style. There's therapeutic classes. It's specialized basically for different purposes of what your body, what the ailment might be or what the population. So a lot of, um, Maybe more older baby boomers or people who are new to yoga, who their doctor has told them, hey, you should try yoga. They'll usually come in through the Hatha route. Um, and it's it's perfect, too, for somebody who's not as confident that their body will move in all those shapes. We call them asanas or postures um, because that's the big, the funniest thing I hear from people. I'm not flexible, so I, I can't do yoga. Well, it's going to help you to be flexible, not only physically, but mentally, too. It's, it's really awesome how it works like that then there's restorative and this is really a practice that down regulates the nervous system and it strengthens the vagal tone so what do i mean by that is that it teaches you how to move out of fight or flight easier than being stuck in it and dr Stephen porges is really the leading expert on talking about vagal tone so you know a lot of times you're kind of stuck in that stress response and you cannot move out of it this practice helps you to move out of it and it helps you move out of it easier. So you go from fight or flight to the ability to get into the relaxed state. It's a healing practice and it's really good for people who've experienced trauma, who've been sick, maybe they've gone through a divorce or you're just stressed out. It's for the stressed out individual to unwind from their day. It's it's a very safe practice. You're using a lot of props. We call them bolsters, blankets, um, straps, and you're really supporting the body in positions, most of it's done laying down. Um, And if you fall asleep during this practice, then you know, your body really needed to do it. Um, So there's that type of yoga. And that's the type that you know, I fought that type for a long time. And now, you know, it's my go to It's my go to with some of my um, older clients who know that yoga is important but they're not you know as comfortable yet in their body physically and for stressed at my stressed out people even myself after you know a long day of work i'll throw my legs up the wall or a leg bolster um then there's yin and yin yoga has a lot of overlap with restorative it is different though because it does hone in on the joints and ligaments um so it basically works on increasing blood flow we know that joints and ligaments are the last to heal when we have an injury because blood, blood flow is so poor to that area. So what you do is you're holding postures for longer, sometimes up to five minutes. And then when you come out of it, the blood flow is able to rush to those areas to basically wake them back up. Um, it's an edgier practice because you're in stretching positions without props. You might have a strap, but you're in these positions and you're holding them. So when restore, you're relaxing into a prop and you're not holding the body. So there's a little difference. And you can blend. You can blend these practices, you know, in a class. Yin should never be done in the heat with a cold body. Restorative should be always done last if you're going to pair it with vinyasa. So there's, you know, as long as the teacher, you want to find a teacher that you like and you want to find classes. You want to experience a number of classes because all this all these different types are all going to teach you something, both physically and mentally about yourself.
0: Yeah. So as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, I could use that kind and I could use that kind. Is there like a yoga practice that's like, okay, this is like a mixtape and we're going to go through all of the practices because we know you need everything.
1: Yeah. Um You <laughs> can. You know, that's why privates are good. Because with a private, you can start on a cold body with yin. You can get into some vinyasa flow and you can wrap it up with restore. Absolutely. Or, you know, yin, hatha, restore. So, yes, that's where privates work better. When you're going to a class, it's usually just one type, power or hatha. You know, like I said, yin and restore sometimes will be offered together, Um. But it's very hard in in a large class to get all those.
0: Right. So I remember, and you are the expert, so correct me if I'm wrong. I remember something about after you work out, like I guess in yoga, they what? Shavasana, right? The corpse pose where you're just laying there. And the benefit of just laying there after a workout, how does that work with the nerves? Like, doesn't it do something with settling the nerves or? or it's actually like a really important practice when you're trying to be improve your, your athleticism. But I know there's a connection between corpse pose and, and the nervous system. Do you know what that is?
1: Yeah. So what you're doing during the practice of yoga and really it's a moving meditation. So I got to back up a little to answer this question. So it's not just about the asana or the posture. It's also, and more, most importantly, it's about the breath. And the breath is often an ujjayi breath when you're doing asanas. So that means the lips are sealed, the teeth are separated, the jaw is relaxed, and you're breathing gently in and out through the nose. Eventually... As you start the practice, you'll notice you might have some shallow inhalations and exhalations. As you get more into the practice, depending on what type of yoga you're doing, the goal is to match the inhalations and the exhalations. Then eventually, you want the exhalations to be even longer, if possible, than the inhalations. So you're using this breath, usually, even the ujjayi is done, ujjayi is the name of the, the breath that you use, builds heat within the body. And you're doing it while you do the asanas. So you would take an inhale, and then the arms would go up, then you would exhale and the arms would go down and you'd maybe forward fold. So each movement has an initiation of the breath one way or the other in terms of the inhalation of exhalation. Sometimes when we get into tricky postures, we forget to breathe. So especially if we're in a vinyasa class, right? Because we're so determined to get our body into this twist. We're not going to like think about anything else. we start to hold the breath. It doesn't go all the way down to the diaphragm. So we've done an hour of yoga and maybe it's just laying on bolsters, but we've worked on regulating our nervous system through the breath. Now, Shavasana, final resting pose is basically taking all that work that you just did on the mat for the last hour in turning on the parasympathetic system. And it's almost like locking it in. Like now the body is calm. It's still. And now I can easily access that system. I'm out of fight or flight. It's still challenging to the mind because, you know, the monkeys of the mind don't stop. But more than likely they've slowed down. You might get moments, depending on who your teacher is, how long you practice, what type of yoga you're doing, where you literally are thoughtless, right? There's open space in your mind and your breath is moving fluidly in and out through the nose, through the chest cavity, down to the diaphragm and right back up, same way and out the nose. So that is the goal. It's almost like you've been working on this puzzle for the last hour and now it's Been put together, and you can step back and admire it. Like here's the work I just did. So it's so important because a lot of people don't take that pose seriously in the beginning. You'll see a lot of people like, I don't have time to lay here. You know, I just did my workout. I gotta go. But that's what you need. Those three minutes, usually shavasana in a class is three to five minutes. There might be the only time in your day, in your night, that you slowed down, and slowing down actually is going to open up space in the body and mind. Some of my best thoughts about my business or about, you know, or my to-do list sometimes will come up in a restorative pose because I've actually given my body and mind space. I'm actually allowing relaxation to happen. How many of us do that anymore? We don't unless you're basically you're paying for acupuncture or massage or, you know, it's, it's all that self-care, but it's it's needed. We're not machines.
0: Yeah. Well, you create space for creativity, right? Like where before, when you're trying to force it, it's just, it's not going to come. It's freely.
1: Absolutely. That was beautifully said. Yep.
0: Well, and it sounds like based off of all the different types, like there, there is something for everyone. So depending on what your needs are, it's not like, uh, you know, maybe like where you would do a hit class and you're like, oh, this isn't for me because I can't jump or something like that. So you just completely write it off and you look for a different type of workout. It sounds like this is for everybody.
1: Yes. I love that. Everybody. Yes.
0: And you know, it's, it's a,
1: it's complementary medicine. There's several, several studies out there that have shown how it is a great conjunction to Western medicine interventions. Let's take just from a low back pain, right? How many people, experience low back. I think the statistic is like eighty percent of the population will have at least one episode of low back incidents in their life. So there are tons of studies out there how yoga supports both prevention and healing of low back pain. And then, well, why would you want to go to yoga to do that? Well, because what do you get on the out at the on the other side of it? You get a more productive life to go out with your kids, you know, on a walk or a run or at the playground and you don't have to sit on the bench because you're in pain. You get to live your life and you're not stuck on your couch because you have a jacked up back, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm always thinking in the future, I want to be that grandmother that's on the floor with her grandchildren and okay, now we're done playing with this. Okay. Let's get up and go somewhere else and not like, give me like a good 30 minutes to get from the floor to to standing position I want to be able to move and do everything I want to do
1: yes absolutely well because you value health you recognize it's our greatest gift right and taking care of our body taking care of our mind I mean and it's a an excellent now you're an excellent role model for for your grandkids and your kids because you're up and moving, you know. There's this this image that you know. Once you hit a certain age, like, oh, you can't work out, you can't do anything. I'm stiff. No, that's, let those beliefs go, you know. And this is a great way to bust those beliefs up. Um. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'd actually like to go back a little bit to something you mentioned when you were talking about some of that breath work, all right, because you mentioned the parasympathetic nervous system, and not everybody knows what that is. So do you mind kind of talking a little bit about how um, we talked about like maybe the physical benefits of yoga in terms of of injury prevention, injury treatment, um, great workout strengthens muscles, bones, all that great stuff. Um, but let's talk about the the breath part of it and, and what we can benefit from learning the practice of yoga and how it actually helps our nervous system.
1: Right. Well, when we're stressed, what's the first thing that we do? We probably don't even notice it, but we're not breathing, right? Mm. We hold our breath. If we're lucky, maybe we're getting clavicular breathing. We're getting up, you know, getting the breath, maybe down to the clavicle area, chest breathing, and it's not going any further, down into the diaphragm, there, there's numerous articles on the, the benefits of yoga for emotional regulation, down regulating the nervous system, emotional health increasing, you're when you're in fight or flight, you know, so when you're jacked up with stress, you're stuck in your limbic system, that's our oldest brain, our primitive brain, right? And that amygdala, you know, some studies have even showed in super stressed people, I was probably one of them, the amygdala was actually is bigger in some people.
0: And that's a part of your brain.
1: That's a part of the brain. Yep. Yep. Kind of think behind your ear Well, temporal lobes there, but in that area, more near, not the back, that's the back of your head, your occipital bone and occipitals back there, but I'm more on the side, deep within the side of the head. You're looking at the limbic system, hypothalamus, amygdala. And that's where when we're in, in fight or flight, when we're anxious, worried, depressed, those brain organs are going nuts. They're all lit up you know, like the 4th of July, they're just going. So in order to get out of that, you can use your breath to help pull you out of fight or flight and take you and your thoughts, your conscious, right? Getting you into the conscious mind, into the frontal lobe where you're now more, you know, can think more clearly. And like you said, you're more creative, So we have a nerve, it's called the vagus nerve, cranial nerve number 10. They call it the wanderer because it's so long. It actually innervates past the heart and it goes down through the diaphragm. And this is what Stephen Porges had spent his his work, does his work studying. And so when you are able to access the breath and inhale to the point where you can get that breath down into the diaphragm, and then you can exhale, let it go out the diaphragm, past you know the chest, out through the back of the throat, or even the mouth, right? You're now activating that that nerve. You're you're making it wake up. And now your brain, it's also communicating to your brain that it's okay, that you're safe. This is about safety. So yoga, right? It's a moving meditation that pairs breath with movement. And The asanas are challenging and the holds can be challenging. And the goal is to breathe through those difficult times. So then when you're stepping off your mat and things happen that are hard, you have knowledge, you have an awareness of, oh, wait, what do I need to do? I need to breathe. Because what happens when we're nervous? The first thing we do is we hold our breath, right? We brace ourselves. What's coming? We immediately start to go into what if, rumination, worry. Well, now you're giving yourself a tool starting with the breath that you can actually take a breath and think clearly and have the space to do it so with yoga you know let's say you don't have the accessibility with your mobility you can just start by doing breathing techniques there's numerous breathing techniques some are there to just match inhales and exhales to regulate breathing. Some work on elongating the inhale. Some work on elongating the exhale. Some are quicker. Maybe you're more in a depressed state. So there's um, one called breath of fire and you're breathing faster and harder and quicker and it's getting your body stimulated. So the breath can be played with in all sorts of ways to really get you out of that primitive thinking, right, the old caveman brain that we still carry with us and into our conscious mind, our frontal lobes, where we are thinkers, we can think critically, we can make good decisions, we can be creative. It's allowing easier access to that.
0: Okay. So that's why whenever you see somebody stressed out, the first advice is always, okay, take a breath. (laughs) All right. Now let's think about what to do, because we we need to basically oxygenate that part of our brain that can make decisions. I mean, that's part of it, too. Right. Providing oxygen to our system so we can we can take the next step.
1: Absolutely. And it's not just in our brain. It's our body, too. Right. Because when you get tense, what happens? You get worried. You stop breathing. The shoulders go up. You know, your gut starts to hurt. Your tension is actually stored as much in your body as it is in your brain. And so by using, connecting the breath and the body movements, the asanas, you're, we call it prana in yoga. That's your energy, your life force. And you know, you're know you in certain poses. Let's take child's pose. And your knees are on the floor and your forehead's down and your arms are stretched out. And now you're inhaling and you're trying to fill up the back body. Now, you'll you know, teachers will say, Try to get the breath down to your toe. Well, yeah, you really can't do that. But it's giving you the ability to imagine something, visualize something, so the breath can move fluidly through the body. Because, you know, most of the time we live in a very stressed, chaotic, go, go, go. And if we're not breathing, where's all that tension going in our brain and our body? So this practice allows you space to become connected the mind and the body can connect on one plane.
0: Yeah. I like that. So, I'll be honest with you, um in my practice, a lot of my clients struggle with emotional eating. And mm-hmm. for some, they don't even know they're doing it. They they have n- zero awareness that they are eating to meet an emotional need. They know they're eating, they know they're eating at night, um but they don't have a they they can't make that connection between an uncomfortable feeling and the desire to go seek out food. They just think they're hungry. And so I'm going to go eat. So how can we use some of the things from yoga um, or the practices of yoga, whether it be the physical or the the breath work piece? How, what are your recommendations for somebody that's struggling with some of that emotional eating? How can we integrate the two?
1: Right. So you said something interesting. They don't, they can't even make the connection. That's a perfect, you know, that they're, they just need to eat, right? So they're, that tells me right away, what are they? They're disconnected from their body. I was completely there. So I know, complete disconnection, not being able to recognize certain sensations because when you're up in your brain all the time and rumination and overthinking, yeah, how can you be connected to the rest of the body and the sensations? So the practice of yoga right away is gonna help you to connect with the sensations of the body. Like I said earlier, it's like right, we're peeling an onion, we're taking layers away um, to get closer to who we truly are and need to be. And so now the first step is you get on that yoga mat and you start to connect with your body and you brought your stress level down, right? Because why the most people eat? They're stressed, they're trying to soothe. It's a self-soothing, right? Or they're getting energy because they're stressed out and they've burned through those adrenals right down. So now they're looking for energy. So instead of using food. We can use movement and breath. And the longer you're able to practice yoga, the more balanced you'll look at food. I remember my teacher saying that in my first training. He said, it will change. this will change your life, how you think, how you eat, how you speak. You know, and you always see those commercials where you see the women walking out of yoga class and they have their green smoothie. Yeah, it's the real thing because yoga just naturally peels away some of those bad behaviors and you start to crave you walk out of the class you're super dehydrated you know and so you want something cold and refreshing and healthy and invigorating so the more you practice the more you get in touch with the body and then you become aware of the sensations and once you've mastered well it's never really we get to master as we as we improve Our practice, because some days you step on your mat and you're like, oh my gosh, for some I'm doing it. You are able to stop and pause. And again, it's going back now to those conscious thoughts. You get out of the unconscious mind, those unconscious patterns, you stop, you breathe in, you can make a better choice. All because you've built a skill on that yoga mat that you can now take off the mat with you. Right? Something difficult, a difficult asana on the mat. You stay in it. You breathe through it. Okay, now you go home at night. You're starving. You haven't made anything. There's really crappy food you could reach for. Or you could take a breath and take 10 minutes and cook up some frozen vegetables or whatever is there. So it gives you space. It's creating space.
0: Mm -hmm. So I was going to say, so give us like, what is your best example of, all right, I know I'm not hungry, but I want to eat anyway. It's nine o'clock at night. Do I get into a yoga pose and just breathe or do I just breathe? Like, do I have to do the movement piece with it? Or what would you recommend for somebody that was like, I need a practical application point. Just tell me what to do when I get in that space.
1: Right. And it depends how kinesthetic you are. For me, I'm, I'm a you know. I'm super kinesthetic. So I need, I would need to get into a pose. I would need to get in the child's pose or my legs up the wall. I would need my whole body engaged. Um, Other people who maybe don't need, you know, because certain temperaments don't need as much rigorous movement as others. They maybe can just sit in a chair or get on the floor, right? Because the closer you get to the ground, the more really grounding you're able to control your body better. And you're able to also feel that breath. Because if your spine's pressed against the floor, you have, right, something to push against. So now you're not just like standing here holding onto your stomach. Your, your spine's been supported. You can put the hands on the navel. You can feel the breath come in and out through the nose. You know, there's great postures like putting your legs up the wall before bed to calm you down, to help you sleep better. There's certain poses that can be done for menopause, for back pain for you know insomnia like there's so much to yoga that there you'll find something to support you so for me it would be a pose I'd have to get on do a pose five minutes maybe I even set a timer and then after those five minutes I can check in maybe I am really hungry right mm-hmm. maybe I didn't need a day, or you know what maybe now I'm so relaxed I can go to bed
0: yeah no, excellent point. Because again, it's not if you are hungry, you absolutely need to, to meet that need. But if somebody was like, I know it's not hunger, this is just habit, or this is just me wanting something because I saw a commercial on the TV <laughs> while I was watching it, or I saw an ad pop up on my phone as I was scrolling, you know, yeah. something tangible is just get next to a wall, put your feet up against the wall and set a timer for five minutes and practice that breathing Maybe like you said at the beginning, start with matching the inhale to the exhale, but work towards having an elongated exhale ratio to inhale. Is that correct? Is that the right way of saying it?
1: It takes a long time to get there, you know, depending on how well you can play with your breath and stay focused in the beginning. It's even hard just to keep your lips sealed and move the breath in and out through the nose, you know, and you start to, when you do a real ujjayi breath, you start to hear like a. Sounds like, I don't want to say Darth Vader, a wave would be much better, like an oceanic wave. You, You hear this constriction in the throat of the breath moving in and out through the nose. The jaw softens, the tongue gets heavy, the sides of the face start to relax, and then it gets easier and easier. The breath goes in and out through the nose. Once you get that, and then you learn how to connect it to the asanas, you know, you then can learn how to play with it. And work on, oh, my exhale just got longer. Maybe I pause at the bottom before I pull the air in. There's so many ways to play with the breath. But also, when you're breathing and you're actually paying attention to your breath, guess where you are? You're in the present moment. You're not, yeah, those monkeys in the mind are still maybe jumping around in the background. But you've turned the volume down so much to the point maybe that you don't even remember that they're there. And you really are present so now when you're present you're able to make better decisions
0: yeah do you ever find that some people get anxiety trying to just breathe through their nose like because they're such they're so used to being a mouth breather like all of a sudden now they feel this these anxious thoughts instead of helping them they create a little bit more
1: Right, absolutely, and you got to, and you know, so then you open your mouth up and you take it slower, especially you know for heated yoga, when the room can get up to one hundred and ten. Sometimes you are breathing through your mouth because you're just trying to, you're just trying to survive that class because, you know, that's who you are as a practitioner. But you, over time, and the more you practice, it's like I said, it's a practice. Every day is different, but it's you're also building a toolbox and a skill set, and so uh, yoga is cool that way too because. There's so much to it. So let's say in the beginning, you know, you had a hard time keeping your your mouth closed. And now you're practicing for a year. And now you're going to learn breath of fire and different breath techniques. And you're going to now learn, you know, different harder asanas, headstands and arm balances. Like it doesn't stop what you can do with the practice of yoga, mentally and physically.
0: So there's no finish line?
1: No, there's no finish line. No. I don't I don't I don't think there is maybe some people would say, but my personal. No.
0: Yeah. And that's okay. And that's not that's not the the point of it. The point is just to always be peeling that layer of the onion and rediscovering you and what you're capable of doing.
1: Right. And mastering those monkeys, learning how to get more in the present moment. I mean, now I'm so I've been practicing for so long that I can tell if something, you know, the other night something happened and I could feel my nervous system like go right into fight or flight. And I was like, oh, wow, that was fast and that was hard and that was loud. And then take a few breaths. I'm like, okay. And I can bring myself right down. You know, I didn't, when I stepped on my mat back in 2008, I didn't know how to do that. I had no idea. It's been through practice and trainings and just awareness, right? I built an awareness because I was so determined to learn how to manage the anxiety myself. And it's all nervous. It was all stuck, you know, in my body, in my mind. And I had to move it up and out and move through it. And that's what the that's what the asanas awesome do with the breath. Like I say, it's a moving that's it's a moving meditation. You get on the mat, your goal is to start with the breath then begin the posture. You do the exhale, then the next posture follows. And then the next inhale happens. The next movement happens. It's, it's really cool sequence that after a while you're breathing so well, and you're just, you're so focused on trying to get into the next pose. You're not thinking about anything else that you've been worrying about. Maybe you came in worried about, you know, your kids and you got to get your, you know, radiator replaced in your car. What are you going to do next week when your in-laws come? You step off that mat in
0: an hour, an hour and a half. And
1: you're like, what, what was I worried about? I mean, that literally can happen.
0: Yeah. And like you said, it sounds like this practice of yoga can bleed into just so many different areas, you know, of your day, even parenting. Um, Right. You're a calmer parent. You're not so explosive and responsive. You're actually are able to, to provide peace and calm when there's chaos going on. I'm just thinking of myself right now. I've um, One of my questions that I wanted to ask you was, you know, why is yoga important as we get older? And you mentioned something about yoga poses for menopause. So I'm curious if you could elaborate just a little bit on that, because I've got so many clients that are like, what can I do to help as I move through this next stage of life?
1: Right. Yeah. And so we know, right, when our hormones are, we're losing our sex hormones, everything then gets kind of dumped onto the adrenals. But if we've already had, you know, adrenals that are overworked, most of us do, you know, and we've got the adrenal dysfunction happening, then we're then now having things like not being able to sleep, we're having anxiety, we're having headaches. So let's go back to I mentioned legs up the wall, if I have a headache, or patient client with a headache i have them put their legs up the wall for 10 minutes now we're able to kind of reverse the blood flow we're working on the nervous system we're opening right we're creating space in the body they come out of that pose their headaches gone it also helps with sleep child's pose is the most grounding of the poses um, you know, getting really down, and maybe you can't with back pain, you can't have your legs wide. So you put your knees together, and your arms are stretched out, your foreheads down, and you're just laying there on your own thighs, right? Kind of curled up, breathing in and out. That's a very soothing pose. So certain poses, right, are going to be soothing to the body and cause relaxation, which will then help with stress and the inability to sleep. Um, restorative is really good for, especially too for I, I, it's an area that I haven't put a lot of time into for, um, pregnancy, right. Prenatal, mm-hmm. but supporting the body, um, restorative is probably the best when you're looking at going through menopause because it's all about regulating the nervous system. And the more you can get the nervous system to be out of fight or flight, the easier time you're gonna have with with symptoms.
0: Do you find that, I'm gonna ask you kind of a uh, funny question, I'll say it that way. Does that work for puberty too? (laughs) Like restorative? I'm thinking about it. Personally, I feel like I'm gonna start entering in this perimenopausal system. So I'm noticing like monthly, my anxiety is a little bit higher. My um, explosive tendencies are a little bit stronger, I'll say. But I yep. also have twin daughters that are entering puberty who are also having explosive hormonal tendencies. And the two, well, the three of us, I'll say, are struggling sometimes. <laughs> and I feel like we need something to ground us and and help us when our emotions are kind of building and feeling out of control, um, right. a way for us to, to cohabitate without... <laughs> Without it getting too stressful in the house. Because, man, there are some days where I said to my husband one day, I'm like, it's either her or me. One of us is leaving. <laughs> I can't do it anymore.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's hysterical. Uh, but I
0: understand. I think
1: with kids, it it's hard to have a kid try to sit still right away. Um, not that it can't be done. It absolutely can be done. But I think, too, as long as people – you know, more you aren't exhausted, doing a combination is a great way. So you're moving that prana, that life force through asanas and breath. And so maybe 30 to 45 minutes. And then those last uh, 30 to 15, you're in a restorative pose. So you can marry those two classes together and you're really able to kill two birds with one stone too, because now you're moving the lymph, right? You're getting... Some, some full body movement, and then you're able to seal that in, in the restorative posture where you're just laying and softening and connecting to breath. So it would be a combination would be perfect for you guys.
0: All right. So I can't just put us both into child pose and for five minutes and then
1: move well, on. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> if you're shooting on time, that might work, but it also, you know, it also depends on how willing they are to sit still maybe maybe they are some kids right are great they can dive right in me I think pop prob- is probably too for kids they don't have as many mental blocks around it right mm-hmm. trying something new or what yoga is or isn't there might be more willing so yeah it I think at the same time that absolutely could be done
0: awesome so I actually asked a couple uh people if they had questions about yoga and I got a couple questions so I'd love to ask them to you now um, one of them was if it's hard to get onto the floor. Do you you know? Can you still practice yoga? What do you recommend for somebody that has bad knees?
1: Right. So there's always again, always you want to be guided by a teacher in the beginning, either if that's online or in person. You really want to find a practitioner that you can connect with. So there's different supports given that way usually with props and blocks and modifications every pose can be modified right poses can be skipped other poses can be put in um chair yoga is another form of yoga i'm not certified in it but that is literally done using a chair and so you're not worried about bending all the way down to the ground so that is the alternative if you're not ready to find somebody who's going to guide you with props and modifications
0: Okay, great. And then the, another question was, how often do we need to practice yoga to see results?
1: Yes. I mean, I would say every day, but that's different because that's my love. In the beginning, one to two times a week, I think that you'll know your body starts to crave it. I have some clients who know four times a week is perfect or two times a week. Depends on the style of the class. It also depends on what other um exercises they're doing and it does complement like if you're a runner or a lifter you're going to see improvements in performance on those playing fields as well because of yoga
0: can you see the benefits in just a 10 to 15 minute session or does it need to be the full 45 to 60 minutes
1: yeah, absolutely. Could you get, wake up in the morning and do some sun salutations and get the, the body absolutely gets the body loosened, gets you connected with your breath, sets the tone for the day. Now you're, you're, you're gonna, you know, go through the rest of the day in a more present mindset. Yes, absolutely. You can.
0: Yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, cause I have some of my clients, you know, they're They've already started adding the practice of more cardiovascular exercise or weight training. And so now it's like, and now we need to do yoga. And they're like, you know what, listen, (laughs) it's all I can do to find, you know, 30 minutes in my day. So as it is now, you're telling me I need to find another 45 minutes or so, you know, it's nice to hear that we can still see benefits. I guess it depends on your goal too, right? You know, is your goal for flexibility is your goal for, um, and, you know, to reduce anxiety, depression, you know, some of those might take a little bit longer than a five minute power session to really get into the place, the state of relaxation where you start to see the
1: benefit. Right. And circling back, you bring up a good point. So like when you talked about menopause earlier, right? What happens through menopause? We start to lose bone, osteoporosis, osteopenia. We see that often set in with a drop of estrogen. Yoga helps you use your own body weight to give you that strength back. So maybe, you know, cause I'm sure you're talking to all your clients about the importance of lifting. They might not have access or be interested, but yoga gives you the same type of supports that weightlifting would give with your own body. So it's another reason why you would want to work it in. And let's say, you know, yes, now they've introduced running. Well, it's, it's not great. Everything's in moderation, right? Um, even though I can always say I can practice every day, it's still best in moderation. So you maybe run or walk four days a week and now you pick another day and you you make a choice. Do I try a vigorous flow because my body's mobile for it? Or do I maybe find a slower practice where I'm targeting my nervous system, you know, even more so in a restore?
0: Do you recommend yoga for rest days or do you think a rest day should truly be a rest day?
1: depends could arrest could you could you go to a class on that seventh day and it's a restorative practice then you do yoga is it yin and restorative then do yoga you know if it's your seventh day and you're going to go to a hundred degree power vinyasa probably not the best idea (laughs) yeah
0: that makes sense so it's still you know because we do we encourage daily movement um but sometimes like, nope, I need one day where I don't do anything. But you, like you said, a restorative yoga, you'd still get great benefits from it. Um, and it wouldn't throw off your training. Otherwise, if you're not ready to start four days a week.
1: Absolutely. And honestly, the longer and I hear it all the time. the even from men in the yoga studio, which is interesting, because men are still the untapped market for yoga, they don't recognize, you know, the benefits physically and mentally, but the ones who do now they've been practicing long enough. They don't come for the physical, even though they're coming to the power class, they come for what it does for them mentally. And that's really what clicked with me right away too, is yes, I love to put my body in all these asanas, all these shapes, but the ability to get out of that limbic system, the rumination, the worry, it was just, it was like life altering. So they know they have to come to their mat X amount of times Because they need it for their mental emotional health, and these are high level professionals, you know, saying this, so recognizing it, practicing maybe for five years, you know, ten years.
0: All these people can't be
1: wrong. (laughs) No, that right. Well, look at how long it's been around for. Right, it's it's been around for five thousand years. We just you know, adopted yoga, of course out West first. And then everything kind of moves slowly back to, to us over here on uh, the East coast, but it's an ancient tradition. And now they're finally recognizing and putting money, the medical side, putting money into the effects of yoga. I mean, from they've discovered how it helps multiple sclerosis, asthma, you know, IBS, lymphoma, hypertension, addictions. I mean, there it goes back again to that limbic system. Um, all the mental health issues osteoarthritis right we talked about with the bone support so staying in those poses planking when you go to pt let's say you blow out your back some of the poses most likely your pt is doing are yoga poses
0: mm-hmm. i've noticed that too hearing people talk about their pt and like oh, i do this like the pigeon pose or whatever i'm like yeah well, that used to not be called pigeon that was but they're now even adopting the same vocabulary as yoga so you can see that crossover
1: right absolutely and balance i mean i didn't even think to mention balance prevent falls how do you prevent falls well you have to strengthen those small little muscles of the foot and ankle well how do you do that bouncing on one leg tree pose i mean i think every yoga ad somebody's doing a tree pose somebody's doing down dog down dog is more for elongation to stretch the spine um but anything on the one leg you're working on core, you're working on balance. So now, you know, somebody who is, has experiencing a lot of falls, yoga is gonna be a great um, support for them to start doing, to decrease that.
0: Yeah. And again, when you're younger, you don't really think about falling, but-
1: No, but it creeps up fast, all
0: the things. It sure does. All the things they sure do. Tiny, this was such a great conversation. I feel like I learned so much just about the practice of yoga, the benefits, you know, um, even just how to get started. I know you mentioned, you know, if you can find an instructor in the beginning, just to make sure that you're doing things correctly and with the breath work. Um, But you also mentioned like, you know, there's lots of people on YouTube and, you know, there's a lot of resources available as well if you're looking to get started. Um, And I know you also are offering a, a resource for us. Uh, that I'll be including in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. I, I
1: will say, if you're going to start yoga, don't just hop online and find a free YouTube. I it, I will say, find a practitioner online or in person, and take a you know, take a couple classes because you, you, there's different types of yoga. So you got to find what resonates in your body. And no matter what, I tell some of my longtime practitioners this: no matter. Who, Who's guiding the class? You're going to learn something about yourself, or you're going to take something away. Maybe you show up to a class and your favorite teacher's out that day and you have this sub, and oh, she teaches a slower flow. Well, guess what? You probably needed to slow down. So that's why this is happening. And you start to become more open minded and accepting. There's so, like I said, the mind body changes are amazing with this practice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to including more. That was one of the things I wrote down on my list a couple months back. Like I want to really start becoming more consistent with my yoga practice. um, Because I know it's just I'm going to benefit mind body, all the above, by just adding a little bit, taking a little bit of time to give back to my body instead of always taking from it. I know I'm going to see the benefits of it.
1: Yes, in every aspect. Absolutely. And I always offer online too. So if anybody wants to follow um, specifically, I do online classes. So wherever you are, we can practice. Yeah.
0: So that was my next question. How do we find out more about you and and your practice?
1: Sure. So my company is called The Stretch Beyond Yoga. I'm on Instagram and TikTok with The Stretch Beyond Yoga. Uh, my website is The Stretch Beyond Yoga. There's a contact form right there. And then on Facebook, I, um, you can find me under Timmy Lawler. I give lots of free content. Um, uh, not just yoga, but you definitely get um, asked. It's sprinkled in. It's uh, one vein of my business. My the longest vein and my probably dearest to my heart. Um, so. Any of those ways you can find me.
0: Great. Okay. All right. So, Timey, we always end our episodes with sharing a recipe. So, I am. Um, I would love for you to share a recipe with our listeners today. Maybe something that's your quick go-to or one of your favorite ideas. Um, we want to make this podcast uh, practical and applicable. So, not only do we like to talk about health topics, but we also are like, okay, now just give me the thing that I can take with me in addition to all this great information. So what recipe do you have to share?
1: Right. So my go-to, because being gluten and dairy and egg free can make breakfast very challenging (laughs) and I'm very busy. Um, Not many people I think know about this pro protein powder. It's ancient nutrition. It's an animal based protein. Um, Yes. You're nodding your head. So you know it. Awesome. Um, So that in the morning In my Vitamix with some almond milk, some ice, some berries, and kale or spinach, and flax, um, two tablespoons of flaxseed, are my go-to every morning um, when I'm on the go, especially to make sure I'm getting my protein and then I won't skip breakfast.
0: Do you always do the berries and kale or do you mix up your fruits and vegetables? I do. I mix it up. Some days I'll do...
1: just maybe some greens with some almond butter or powdered peanut butter. Um, I try to stick with the, you know, the berries because of the the low glycemic index and getting the, the greens. It's a good way to get the greens in. So I like, I know kale can be sometimes hard to get down. So my go-to is usually spinach, um, maybe a banana for some potassium. I play around with it. Like I say to my clients, you can throw the kitchen sink in there. Maybe you want some avocado instead Um, But the base is always the ancient nutrition and almond milk Um, because I'm always trying to aim every meal. It's not always easy, especially as we head towards menopause is 30 to 40 grams of protein. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's usually my recommendation as well. So it's good to hear another health professional making similar recommendations. Um, And like you said, if why not get a vegetable at breakfast? I mean, if you don't taste it, yeah, it turns your your morning smoothie brown, but put it in an opaque cup so you don't see it, <laughs> right? Um, but you yes. know that's such a great opportunity because we all know we're not reaching our our recommended recommended fruit and vegetable intake. So if we can throw something in a shake, not really, you know, have it be a hardship to get down, uh, but reap the benefits. I'm all for it.
1: Absolutely. Right. And then it's one less you got to worry about at dinner and lunch. That's
0: right. <laughs> That's right. Start the day strong. So that way you don't have to put as much energy and effort as the day goes on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tiny, I just want to thank you again for your time, for your expertise. And um, I'm really excited for our listeners to get out there to try yoga if they haven't uh, done it before. Find the, the style that fits to your needs, whether it be more of that aggressive hot yoga or the restorative yin um, types that you've mentioned, or even the therapeutic hatha. right? That was the other, one of the other ones you mentioned. Um, I think, like you said, yoga is for everybody and we can all benefit from including this into our daily routine. So I'm really thankful for this education that you provided today.
1: Well, thank you for this amazing opportunity.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, that's what we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us always. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bodymetrics Health. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.